Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstown. Hello and welcome to another very exciting episode of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. A couple days ago over the weekend, you started scrolling Twitter a little bit, right? You know, I like to do that. I probably do that a little more than I should. All of a sudden you start seeing New York Mets fans and people in the media just going absolutely banana lands over this video that's going viral of Edwin Diaz entering the game to a song that is like a little bit mix of dubstep with some trumpets. And it's just this outstandingly amazing, powerful hairs on your arms type of song. That's just getting everybody going. The mascots are playing the trumpets and he enters the game and throws the way he's been throwing all season long in the first place, New York Mets win. And it was just one of the most spectacular videos you could see. And then you come to find out that the video that also went viral of Jacob deGrom warming up to simple man by Leonard Skinner was also going viral. I had to get to the bottom of it. You know, there are always amazing people behind all these outstanding productions that come on TV. So I wanted to go behind the scenes with the mastermind of those two videos, specifically the Diaz one, because that's the one that went absolutely crazy. I'm going to bring in John DeMarsico of SNY does the Mets, UConn women's basketball. John, how we doing? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me on. Of course, I'm doing well. So before we get into all of this, what has been the most crazy thing for you about all of your productions going as viral as they have? Uh, well, we, we've always prided ourselves on putting on a great show, but um, the attention that this has been getting has, has blown my mind. I mean, this happened on Sunday, and it's uh, it's unbelievable that the, uh, the, the uh, attention that this has brought to the network and myself and my my Twitter feed, which used to be very quiet. And then I used to have a small corner of Met fans that followed me and I'd put out, you know, a video here or there and I'd get a few likes and, you know, but all of a sudden I have, you know, people reaching out for interviews and, you know, a, a Chicago sports show asking me to be on. So it's been, uh, it's been overwhelming, but it's been a lot of fun. I mean, people, I mean, I, it's not like I wrote the song that Edwin Diaz walked out to. I just put it on TV. So <laughs> that's really cool though. Yeah. So I was reading some of the tweets about some of the stuff you had to say about this video that went just crazy. I mean, I quote tweeted the video and it got like 1600 likes. Like I do okay <laughs> on Twitter. Never that good. I mean, people were just right? this up. take me through the Edwin Diaz moment and how it became to be sure. where you were following. You had the cameraman following him all the way to the mound with their music was perfectly put into the broadcast. It didn't sound muffled or anything. It literally looked like a movie. I'm just <laughs> curious how it became about. Well, I, I, I went to film school at North Carolina State University, um, and I've been with SNY, which is the regional sport net network that broadcasts the shows for a long time. And I always like to inject a little bit of my own personality on the broadcast, with, in, in this case, a little bit of a cinematic flair. Um, 
So in about what well, we done, first of all, the DeGrom clip happened early, the, in the in the first inning, obviously. And so that was a good way to start the show. I felt it just felt like the Diaz, you know, ent- uh, entrance onto the field would be a good way to kind of cap the show. You know, we started with Simple Man and we ended with, in this case, Narco by Blaster Checks. <laughs> and Timmy Trumpet. Don't forget Timmy Trumpet. Timmy Trumpet. Um, but no, um, as far as the coverage of it goes, I think what made it special is um, we've shown him coming, taking the field before, um, but never usually live. In this case, so we, we, we pushed back the commercial break, which we is a very difficult thing to do. Um, but we thought that the moment called for something special. And it was sort of kind of, it was, uh, it, I think it surprised fans with that we, we stayed live. And I think that's what made it kind of go viral because they weren't expecting us to stay. Um, I mean, it's a great song. It's a great entrance. And um, I was just kind of, kind of making a movie there. You know, I, Edwin Diaz, with his entrance, it reminds me of Ricky Vaughn in Major League coming into Wild Thing. I love that movie growing up. And so like every time he comes in and we have the opportunity to document that, I, I that's what I go back to. And I'm really into Westerns and those, the horns that play that I, the first thing I think of is our spaghetti Westerns, all the old Sergio Leone movies, Sergio Carbucci movies. And I just think of him as like this gunslinger coming in from the outfield. It's, it's, and it's such a kind of an iconic entrance. I, it's and, and to send the camera guy down there. We hadn't done that yet this year. Um, we sent, I decided to send them down there in the seventh inning to kind of get ready for the shot. Cause we talked about maybe going down there when the, um, when the moment felt right, we didn't want to waste it on like, a you know, uh, you know, a, a midweek game against the Reds or something like that. We kind of, it was, this was the, this was a DeGrom start, his first home start in over a year. Um, it turned out that we had the second highest viewership that game that the networks ever had. And it was just the right time to do it. And so we stayed with it. We, we, we turned on the Nat sounds from the ballpark, had the announcers laid out, let folks listen to it just like they were there. I think part of what resonated with me the most about the video is the shot of the fans. I mean, baseball is baseball. You need the players. You need the players sure. to be great in order to get the best out of the product. But, man, I know what it's like to be in the stands and just go crazy yeah. over my favorite players. And you're seeing people of all different ages, races. Oh, yeah. Like every type of person is out there just going bananas over this song. Old people, young people. What does that mean to you as a director? Well, I I, I used to be one of those fans. I haven't been able to go to a baseball game in a long time, ironically, because I'm in the truck every game. So um, I love to incorporate fan shots into my broadcasts. I... um, I'll even sometimes sacrifice, you know, a game camera for to isolate a fan for a great reaction shot on a strikeout or something like that. And sometimes you hit it and sometimes you miss. But, you know, in this case, it was um, you kind of just it's it's instincts and it's camera guys that, that work for me that are um, just the, at the top of their game. And they when they see something, they they they, they are able to focus and take that shot there. When I caught off them, they're able to give me another shot. It's. I work with a World Series level crew every day at City Field, literally. Like most of our crew, crew does the World Series, um, so it allows me a lot of freedom to um, kind of operate within their expertise and their uh, experience, and it kind of makes my job easy. This, 
the baseball and the, um, you know, the kind of cinema aspect comes more naturally to me. And these guys that are just technicians with the camera. That's outstanding. Yeah. On the other side of town, they had the, one of the more iconic, like Mariano Rivera, the iconic walking sure. enter Sandman. And they even used that when he retired, exit Sandman. Like it was that iconic that it stuck with him for 20 years. Yeah. I'm not sure Edwin Diaz is ever going to be like on that level in terms of how he pitched in his career Absolutely. and reaching the apex, but it's got to feel pretty good to be on the other side of town creating a visual like this that probably for one day blew away whatever the Yankees did for all those years. Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to go that far because Mo, I mean, that entrance that he used to come out to, the cameraman Pete Stendhal that shot that shot for Edwin Diaz coming out through the bullpen, he did that shot 20 years ago with Mariano Rivera. So it's not like I invented that shot. Um, but I think given the season the Mets are having, the season that Edwin Diaz is having, it was a perfect um, – sequence of events that led to a, uh, a viral moment, but more importantly, a, a special moment within the, the mesh of this season for the Mets. That's really cool. And does someone like Jacob deGrom or Edwin Diaz know that this is happening when it's happening, or do they just kind of continue during their routine as normal and let the broadcasters do what they do without permission or, you know, anything like that? A lot of the things that we do are pretty spontaneous. Obviously, we have to get permission on certain things. But that camera operator I was just talking about, Pete Stendhal, he's been around baseball forever. He's been doing SMY broadcast, Yankee broadcast for decades. The players know him. The facility guys know him. The security guys know, know him. And he has a lot of freedom to operate within the grounds of the ballpark. And um, we never cross the line and stay longer than we need to. But he's able to get shots that a lot of guys can't get because he has that experience there. Um, but, yeah. So Jacob DeGrom made his first start, and you said first start at home over a year. I, I want to say his last start. I could be off on this, but I want to say his last start last year was at Wrigley Field. If I, 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 don't, I don't remember that exactly, but, um, yeah, so it was his first start at home and his second start overall in the season. And we um, we just felt like it um, – the, 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 the simple man thing was very spontaneous. So – we actually had a 20-minute rain delay um, before that game started, so it gave us a little time to kind of think of, think about what we want to do for DeGrom. Because we had, when he made his first start, we were on the road in D.C., and um, we didn't go to commercial break then as well because um, we wanted to kind of cover the ovation he got from the Met fans there. Or, it was the first time Met fans have seen him throw off a mound other than spring training in over a year, so we wanted to stay. I wasn't sure we were going to do that again this time. Um but there was a buzz in the ballpark that day. And um, usually on rain delays, we get, the, we get the toss from the studio to the game broadcast about a minute before first pitch. Um, I had mentioned to our producer, Eddie Warman, that day that um, maybe we should get it a few minutes earlier just to kind of see what this ovation might be like. Um, and so we did, and it gave us a little flexibility. And right before he took the field, I saw that the entire ballpark was standing, waiting for him to get on the field. And I, I, I have a point-to-point -point, uh, um, communication with the uh, broadcasters in the booth. I got in their ear and I just, I said, I may sneak in a little bit of the PA and that sound here for uh, Simple Man because I knew his walkout song. Um, and they said, "You want us to lay out?" And 
I said, sure, yeah, you can you can lay out. And Ron Darling, our 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 analyst, says, well, yeah, what else are we gonna do? Give stats. <laughs> so it kind of seemed like a no brainer at the point at that point. And then when that first chord hit um, from the PA and the crowd went nuts, we kind of all knew that it was a special moment. We knew that it was kind of uh, we were doing some good TV. That's amazing. And it literally could not, and you could talk about this, it literally could not have worked out better. You touched on it to Grom coming back. You're playing the Atlanta Braves. You brought up it wasn't like a random Tuesday night game against the yeah. Cardinals or the yeah. Cubs or any like a non-rival. It's the Atlanta freaking Braves yeah. who are the defending World Series champions on a weekend exactly. Saturday game. DeGrom is back. And it just worked out where Diaz was able to pitch. That's not a guarantee that your closer is going to be able to come out in a safe situation. It was just literally a perfect broadcast from beginning to end. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, we can only we can only control so much from the TV truck. The game has the game is king. The 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 actual what happens between the line is king. We just try to enhance it a little bit, whether it's with a graphic or a pretty shot or a cool effect or you know the announcers doing something. We just um, the game dictates. Sure. And to kind of switch gears a little bit, just on a personal level for you, what is it like as a professional to work for a team? And you're not you're not working for the Rays or even like the White Sox or something like you're working for the New York Mets on one of the biggest sports stations in the country covering this team that's having a great season. What is that like for you? That's great for me. I mean, it's, um, it's a dream come true for me. I grew up a diehard Mets fan. Um, I'm not from New York. Uh, my dad's from Long Island. So he implanted the uh, my Mets fandom from a very early age. We'd uh, the closest the closest we were to any stadium was the Atlanta Braves. So I would go to Turner Field at least once a summer to watch them when the Mets came in. Um, uh, and I went to school at North Carolina State, like I said, and um, interned for the, the I interned for the network in two thousand nine, um, and I ended up getting a job with SNY, the network that covers the games in twenty ten. So. It was a dream job from the start for me, um, growing up a Mets fan. And, you know, I sometimes I, I speak baseball language better than I do English. So I it, it kind of comes second nature to me and I, I, I couldn't be happier. That's outstanding. Is there anything that's coming up with the broadcast that you might have plans for? Maybe you don't want to reveal too much, mm -hmm. but is there anything coming up that fans should get excited about? And you're mostly speaking to people from the New York area right now. And I would say the Chicago area, are probably the two biggest sure. followings I have. Is there something to be looking forward to in terms of the broadcast that might go viral like this again? We, uh, we always, we always have, we always have ideas. Our, our group is as creative as they come and we have the tools in place at home to implement a lot of these creative things. Um, but most of what you're going to see with us is comes organically. It really does. I, I'm not just saying that we don't have a lot of meetings. We don't have a lot of phone calls, a lot of pre-production. We don't have a lot of outside people coming into us. We're on an Island and we, um, we have a lot of freedom, thankfully, from SNY to create and do things um, that we find entertaining and we think that the, will engage the viewer. Uh, and, and so a lot of the things that we do come organically. It's all, all, a lot of its instincts, its reaction. Um, I like to approach my job like I, like I would if I was playing shortstop. What am I going to do if the ball's hit to me? What am I going to do if there's two runners on, the ball's hit there, if I'm in the ship, whatever. Um, I, we, all have a, we all have a job to do in that truck. Um, and we have to know what to do when the ball sits to us. Given your background, and we got people in the chat wondering your background with movies. Yeah. What's your all-time favorite baseball movie? My all-time favorite baseball movie. Well, I brought up Major League, and I love Major League. I probably, when I was a kid, I probably watched Major League. 
you know, at least once a week, I was obsessed with major league. So it's hard for me to, to stray outside of that. I mean, feel dreams is fine. It's probably close with a league of their own. I love a league of their own. I mean, that one's a classic. Um, and because I'm 35, I grew up with the Sandlot. I mean, the Sandlot it, for me is about as good as it gets, but because, because I grew up on, you know, Ricky Vaughn and Pedro Serrano and Dorn. I, I, I love major league. That's outstanding. Great yeah. movie. Uh, yeah. Being a white Sox fan, I live and die with field of dreams, but I also love <laughs> the Sandlot as well. Yeah. Um, professionally, what do you do when something big to your, the team you're working for, like the New York Mets, when they announce a signing like Max Scherzer, sure. is there a procedure to something that you got to, you know, get to the studio and create right away? Or is it just kind of wait till the season on your end? Like what's the procedure there? Well, it's Max Scherzer is a guy that even when he was with the nationals was a guy that we circled the calendar when we had to cover a Scherzer game because he's, he is phenomenal TV. He, his, his over the top aggression and the way that he, takes every pitch like it's the last like it's the last pitch of his he's never gonna throw and his intensity is just makes for good tv so when that signed him we go well once every fifth day we are gonna have uh, a good tv show to put on and you pair that with Degrom, we're going all right we're sitting pretty right now we got 60 games this year where we got we have two aces on the mound to cover you know so it makes it it makes it more exciting when there's a when there's a star on the field you know yeah, absolutely. So it makes our from, it makes our makes our jobs easier. You know, it really does because yeah, both yeah. of those two guys are. I mean, if I'm looking back at the five best pitchers of the last twenty years, I mean, Degrom, Scherzer, Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, a couple other guys are going to be in the mix for various seasons. So it's got to be cool to have that on your um, your broadcast frequently. Now, is there another thing with the Mets? Maybe it's the offense, the pitching, the manager that you enjoy as a fan of the game. Or in terms of the way you do things as far as filmmaking as well? Sure. Um, Buck Showalter has been phenomenal. I mean, sometimes it feels like everybody else is playing checkers and he's playing chess, man. He's just he's just thinking 10 steps ahead of everybody. And it's been fascinating to watch the way that he uses his roster. Um, he's got even more tools now after the trade deadline, some of the guys they picked up. Um, it's It's been fun to watch him. And... Um, you know, it's a, it's um it's a it's a fun group of guys. There's a totally different energy um, with this team this year than there has been in the last couple. Um, I think they got rid of a couple guys in the off season that weren't great for them, and I think they picked up obviously some great guys. And they're spending money, and it's um everybody's happy in Metland, and ratings are up at SNY, so everyone's happy here too. Absolutely, and. It's unfortunate that once the postseason rolls around, the broadcasting rights flip over to the national program. Yeah. Do you get involved in any way with those, or is it your offseason once the postseason starts? Yeah, my offseason starts after game 162. I, I I have nothing to do with the postseason, unfortunately. Um, it's, um, it's a grind to do this job every day. And so, you know, in a, in a way, it's, it's nice to have a little bit of time off. But at the same time, you're with the team for, you know, 162 games. In my case, I do 145 games a year. Um, you're with the team for this long. You cover so much of the action. You know the players, not personally, but you know them, you know, intimately because you're covering the action every day. I have, you know, 20 cameras shooting the game every day. 
And so it's it's a little odd when the season ends and the postseason begins. You're not doing the games. It's like um, the run they had in 2015 to the World Series. It was uh, I was like a little it felt weird. Like I was happy I was home. But at the same time, it's like, oh, this is a little odd not to be actually covering the game, you know. But those, uh, you know, Fox does an outstanding job doing baseball, and they, uh, their director Matt Gangle is a is a real pro. So, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. This was a delight to interview you and hear the insights of what goes on with the TV broadcast. It's actually it's not what people think it is. You don't just turn on a camera and start filming. No, so much that <laughs> no, not not at all. Before you go, do you have a Mets prediction for the rest of the season? I'm putting you on the spot. A Mets prediction for the rest of the season? Well, they have a hefty lead right now going into – I mean, they're, and there's – I think they've won 15 of 17 as of this recording. So a Mets prediction, I mean, I, I'm going to get massacred if I don't say World Series, right? I mean, that, I mean, in all honesty, I mean, they have to be the, 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 the favorite right now. I don't know the Vegas odds. I'm not a gambler. But in the National League, they have to be the favorite to go to the World Series. I don't know about winning, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm assuming it's right there with the Dodgers, of course. And then yeah, the, yeah, the Padres, yeah. the Padres I, got Juan Soto. Yeah, I, I think there's there's no team like the Mets that are is a playoff contender right now because of that two headed monster at the top of their starting rotation and the guy they got closing games is having an historic season and he's got that great walkout song. So it's all uh, it's the the folks at uh, Major League Baseball and all the networks are probably cheering for hoping hoping for the Mets. Absolutely. I'm hoping for the Mets, too. I want to see more of that team. Like you said, having DeGrom and Scherzer at the top of a rotation, you hard. it's hard to see it not being a 2 nothing series lead early. And then you right. got Chris Bassett, who would be the ace on most teams anyway, you know, coming in as the number three there. So it's a lot of fun. I know you said earlier your Twitter account used to be quiet. It hasn't been lately. Promote that Twitter account. Promote <laughs> yourself. Don't be quiet anymore. Everyone needs yeah. to see more John DeMarsico. Yeah. follow. You can follow me at John DeMarsico if you want to uh... – Get some more, uh, you know, film geek Mets stuff. Uh, you know, most of my most of my tweets are are baseball, but you will get some some movie reviews and some opinions about the state of uh, cinema. But uh, yeah, John DeMarsico, that's me. Absolutely, you're on the right place here. The Barroom Network. We literally just do sports and movies the whole time. That's Everybody's into directing and pop <laughs> culture. So yeah, you're in the right spot here. Awesome. So, you know, I can't thank you enough for coming on. We would like to have you back maybe after the playoffs. Maybe we can talk a little more baseball. It was Absolutely. my pleasure. Everybody, make sure you're following at John DeMarsico on Twitter, and we would send you to a quick commercial break. Zim, Joe, Vinny, and Gonzo. Join these White Sox fanatics every Monday night for the South Burbs Hitmen. You're going to be treated to great guests, top analysis, smart debates. South Burbs Hitmen with Sim, Joe, Benny, and Gonzo only on the Barroom Network. Yes, it's too early. I think it's quite obvious that both he and Matt Eberflus are playing the long game here. I imagine they were given a pretty long leash uh, by George McCaskey, so they aren't looking to patch things together like the last regime did. I think expectations are quite modest this year because they're going to have a boatload of cap space heading into the 2023 season, potentially over $100 million. Now, they won't have many guys under contract, so that money's going to go fast, but Ryan Poles is taking this opportunity to build this team exactly how he wants to. I think fans will be patient 
as patient as Bears fans get, at least in 2022, because they want to see their franchise quarterback take another step forward, but also understand that this isn't exactly a Super Bowl roster on paper. I think this position was attracted to Ryan Poles because he saw the opportunity to build this team from scratch because of the upcoming cap flexibility. Welcome back to Crosstown Crosstalk. If you just watched that uh, little clip right there, John Buffon, man, I hope he's right. I really hope he's right. I want the Bears to be good so bad. I want the Bears. Oh, they're building it from scratch. Only 30 of the 90 players at camp are from the Ryan Pace, uh, Matt Nagy regime. It's just, it's just a disaster in terms of that. But at the same time, there's so much hope and, you know, Football season's among us. Got the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday, preseason game number one. Very excited about that. And you can make sure you keep it here at the Barroom Network and follow me on Twitter at Vinny Parisi to read all my tweets covering that game on Saturday between the Kansas City Chiefs and Chicago Bears. Very much looking forward to it. Later tonight, Chicago invades Iowa for the second year in a row. You might remember last year, the Chicago White Sox had a huge lead in the Field of Dreams game before Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton hit a couple home runs, got the Yankees tied, and eventually ahead in the top of the ninth before the White Sox had two quick outs in the bottom of the ninth and looked like they were really going to blow the Field of Dreams game to the New York Yankees. And then Sebi Zavala drew a walk after going down 0-2 and Tim Anderson came up to bat and hit the ball to Pluto, and the White Sox won 9-8. It was one of the most spectacular games. There were fireworks going off in the corn. I jumped up on my couch and started screaming. It was one of the most spectacular regular season baseball games in the history of Major League Baseball, which is about 122 years old as we know it today. And they're trying to follow it up this year. I'm not really sure what they were thinking when they decided to have the Chicago Cubs, who are currently 45 and 65, play against the uh, Cincinnati Reds, who are currently 44 and 66. So it's like, you know, one of those things. I mean, you didn't know each team would be here last year when they made the decision to make the two teams the game. But at the same time, the Cubs had just sold Rizzo, Bryant, Baez, Kimbrell, all those guys. You knew Quinteros might go. He didn't. Um, the Reds, I didn't really know they were going to sell the way that they did. I mean, they let Nicholas Castellanos go and, you know, they have, what's his name? Luis Castillo's gone. It's basically just down to a couple other star young people and Joey Votto, of course. But um, it's one of those things like, okay, well, they're not good teams. They're both fighting for last place in the National League Central Division along with the Pittsburgh Pirates. But for one night, they're going to take center stage of Major League Baseball, and they're going to play at the Field of Dreams. Um, You have to, when you watch this game, and I'm going to write my tweets. I'm going to be a hater online. That's just what I do. But in all reality, you need to just enjoy this game for what it is. Both teams are wearing sick, sick throwback jerseys. These are two of the most historic franchises in National League history, and they're going to take each other on at the Field of Dreams. You can say whatever you want about the movie. It's all true. The White Sox should be playing in this game every year, but they're not. The only thing that the two teams have that relates to the movie is, well, the Cubs are also from Chicago, and Ray Kinsella cracks a joke about every stadium having lights now, even Wrigley Field. And, of course, 
Um, the Cincinnati Reds are the team that beat the Chicago White Sox in the 1919 World Series when Shoeless Joe Jackson and seven other men purposely lost the World Series because of that D-bag owner, Charles Kaminsky, who paid gamblers that they, you know, gamblers paid them to lose the World Series on purpose. And every player was illiterate, didn't know how to read the contract they were signing. And you still can't prove to me that Joe Jackson lost the World Series on purpose because he had over 300 batting average and hit the only home run of the World Series for either team. Home runs were not prominent like they are in today's game. But you see on the screen, if you're watching the visual version, what each team is going to be wearing, it is just outstanding, outstanding uniform. I actually want that Reds hat really, really bad. Like really, really bad. I didn't even buy a White Sox Field of Dreams hat. I pro but the White Sox hat had no logo. Uh, this Reds one does, and I really like it. If I were a Cubs fan, the walking bear would dominate my closet, and but I'm not, so I'm not buying a walking bear anytime soon, but I'm very excited for this game. Some details about the game. This is going to be the last Field of Dreams game for at least a year because Frank Thomas and his crew, maybe potential wink-wink future guest on this show, Frank Thomas, that would make me cry. Um, but yes, that is in the works. Um, he is the head committee of the Field of Dreams uh, game and he owns a stake in the stadium now. They announced that next year they will be undergoing ren renovations on the stadium. They're going to make it bigger. This thing's about to come up, become a spectacular, right? Wouldn't surprise me if all 30 teams play in this thing, this thing by the time it's all said and done. So this is the last time you're going to see it till 2024. So make sure you enjoy it. Okay, so the actual game. It's going to be on Fox, right? It's going to start at 6.15 Central Time, 7.15 Eastern Time. I know we got people watching from both time zones. This is directly from my article that you can read in full at thewindycity.com. Drew Smiley will start for the Chicago Cubs, and Nick, Nadol Nick Lodolo will get the nod for the Reds. It's not the most exciting pitching matchup of all time, but both guys will enjoy the moment as best as they can. Now, when I say it's not the most exciting pitching matchup of all time, listen, it's kind of the same thing as last year. The Yankees started Andrew Heaney, I believe, because he was just in – it was his turn in the rotation for the Thursday night game that week. You know, they, they didn't go out of their way. They didn't change up their rotation to make sure that Garrett Cole got the start, right? And the White Sox didn't go out of their way to make sure that Lucas Giolito, who was absolutely their ace at the time, they made sure he wasn't the one that got the start. Like, it was going to be Carlos Rodon, then he got hurt. They made it Lance Lynn instead. And the White Sox just happened to have the advantage there because of the way the pitching matchups shook up. So it's unfortunate that the Cubs aren't throwing someone like um, Thompson or, you know, Kyle Hendricks is hurt. But, you know, it is what it is. Drew Smiley is going to face Nick Lodolo. Uh, Luis Castillo was traded to the Seattle Mariners. It's not like they have anybody to trot out that's just like a lock to be amazing anyway. Um, looking at the pitching matchups, uh, Smiley is 4-6 and six with an ERA of 3.97. Lodolo's 3-3 three and three with a 4.40 ERA. Neither of them are superstars by any means. Neither of them are even close to being stars. But they're both respectable at the same time. And... Yeah, the Reds are 44 and 66. Let me tell you something about the Reds being 44 and 66, though. They started 3 and 22. Okay, so the fact that they're not like 20 something and 80 something right now, based on that start that they had, is truly remarkable. They've been good, not good, but they've been respectable since starting the season 3 and 22. So don't take the Reds too lightly, Cubs fans. And for Cubs fans, Reds fans need to worry because they didn't trade Wilson Contreras 
or Ian Happ. And you figure both of those guys will be in the starting lineup. I don't believe either starting lineup was announced yet. I'm going to check on that while I talk. No, I don't have a Cubs lineup on me yet. But I do know you will see your boy Wilson, your boy Ian, and they're going to play in this game, and it's going to be a lot of fun, honestly. I think the Cubs have a lineup that can score some runs when all is going well. Um, I Oh, we do have a Reds lineup, though. Uh, leading off of the Reds is going to be Jonathan India. He's probably their best hitter at this point. Then Senzel, Farmer, Vado, Solano. Albert Almora Jr. will go against the Cubs, playing for the Reds, playing left field. Aquino, Burrio, and Romine, the catcher to end it for the Reds. That's how it's going to shake out. And I'm still waiting on a Cubs lineup. Um, looking at the Cubs lineup from yesterday, which it's kind of funny that they played yesterday, but I believe they'll both be off on Friday. But, I mean, you're expecting to see, I'm sure Rafael Ortega will play. Um, Ian Happ will surely play. Suzuki will absolutely play. Nico Horner, man, he's been good this season. Okay? People keep talking about the Cubs are going to go get one of those shortstops this offseason. Yeah, I believe they're going to. But you're going to slide Nico Horner over to second base, maybe. Or maybe the new guy comes in and plays second base because Horner's outstanding. And I won't uh, go for any Horner slander from Cubs or White Sox fans, to be honest with you. He's been great. Two hits yesterday, 300 batting average on the season. Batting average is a sneaky stat. But um, I'm I'm assuming Patrick Wisdom's going to play. He didn't play yesterday. He had a pinch hit. And, he, you know, Patrick Wisdom's not having that great of a year. He's a very good home run hitter, not that good at everything else. But I assume that everybody that's in the typical starting lineup will get the starting lineup not in this huge field of dreams game. I'm expecting to see Madrigal playing second base. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the outfield looks like. Um, I'm super excited for this game. And Skyler points out that Nico has developed nicely. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, if Nick Madrigal can get back to White Sox Nick Madrigal, that's an okay middle infield. Now, you could trade Magical because I do believe they are signing one of Carlos Correa, Xander Bogarts, or um, I'm missing one. Who is the third shortstop that's available that's evading me? I'll think of it eventually. But um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun to watch. And the the Reds and the Cubs, both of them have pitching problems. The Cubs traded four relievers at the deadline and one of them was Efros who's probably was their best reliever uh, oh Robertson too also one of their best relievers so I'm thinking the over for this game if I'm being honest with you guys and it should be a lot of fun I mean last year the game was between two teams trying to win a division title the Yankees fell just short the White Sox won it by a lot but then they both fell short pretty much immediately after the playoffs started. That doesn't mean anything for this game. The game is supposed to be a spectacular. Give people that live in Iowa a chance to watch Major League Baseball. They don't have a team there. Um, I'm wondering if this is a test. I, I have heard people mention this before. Like MLB will expand. They won't be a 30-team league forever. Every other uh, league will expand, I believe. The NHL is the only one to expand recently. But, I mean, the NFL has 32 teams. The NHL has 32 teams. The NBA and baseball, they're a little behind. And you create more fans. You create more money. You create more everything when you have more teams. Iowa is not necessarily a bad spot. And, you know, maybe you call them the Iowa Cornhuskers or something like that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I actually think Vegas gets the A's and they'll expand back to Montreal. And, you know, maybe a team 
in Louisville gets one or something. Uh, Nashville needs a major league baseball team. There's no doubt about that. You can watch yesterday's Bar Down Talking Hockey for a recap of my trip to Nashville, and you'll know why I think Nashville deserves a baseball team. But, I mean, it is what it is. You grow the game. You do what you can to get people watching baseball. Last year's Field of Dreams game had the most viewership, the highest viewership for a regular season baseball game since 2005. That's a long time, okay? And baseball did kind of die there for a little while where only the true diehards like me and Skyler were watching it. Now everyone's watching baseball, okay? Every outlet, every media outlet is available. Um, yeah, Skyler points out Vanderbilt dominates NCAA baseball. I literally saw the stadium. They pump out major leaguers like nobody's business. Walker Bueller. Okay, um, lighter for uh, the Texas Rangers, Kumar Rocker. I mean, yeah, Skyler is so spot on with Vanderbilt, and I would like to go with Skyler to see Vanderbilt take on a SEC baseball game. Maybe next season we could do that. I want to go to the College World Series too. Um, but yeah, and you know, right as I'm saying this, it appears that we have the starting lineup for your Chicago Cubs just announced. Fresh off the press, leading off and playing second base, Nick Madrigal. Batting second and catching for the Cubs, Wilson Contreras. Batting third and playing third base, Patrick Wisdom. Batting fourth and playing right field, Seiya Suzuki. Batting fifth, the shortstop, Nico Horner. Batting sixth, the left fielder, Ian Happ. The designated hitter batting seventh, Nelson Velasquez. Playing first base and batting eighth, P.J. Higgins. And batting ninth, playing center field, Christopher Morrell. What a lineup for the Cubs. That's probably one of the better Cubs lineups you'll see. Obviously, they want all the big boys playing in the Field of Dreams game, right? Like the Cubs want to put on a good show. They don't want to get embarrassed on national TV. I don't think either team's going to get embarrassed because win or lose this game, it's a celebration of baseball. It's similar to the All-Star game. It's like an All-Star game that counts, right, in terms of what it means. And I'm so excited to watch it. So I hope every Cubs fan out there, we have our battles during the regular season and when the two, when the White Sox and the Cubs play each other. But tonight, I truly hope fans of the Cubs and the Reds enjoy the game. And I'm sure all my best friends will be texting me about it and we'll, we'll be discussing what goes on in the game. Next week, we'll recap the game on this show. I know it'll be a week removed, but I'm talking about the Field of Dreams game next year. You can bet your bottom dollar on it. Skyler loves the idea. Well, yes, we're going to go see some college baseball. I've been getting really into college baseball, and that's kind of what I was getting at right when um, that's right where, uh, when the lineup for the Cubs came out. I was going to get at how baseball's you know gotten extra popular over the last couple of years because it was dead there for a minute. And people like me and Skylar were obsessed with it always. But social media, companies like Fansided, the Barroom Network, Barstool Sports, um, DraftKings, um, FanDuel, ESPN, everybody is back in on baseball. There are people that make the game exciting. I know you have your favorite teams and your least favorite teams, but that doesn't mean you have to hate the players on those teams. Okay, it doesn't mean you have to just think that none of it is exciting even if you hate the team. You're allowed to like Tim Anderson if you're a Cubs fan. You're allowed to think Wilson Contreras is cool if you're a White Sox fan. You're allowed to enjoy Bryce Harper. You're allowed to enjoy Shohei Otani. You want to get into pitching. Okay, Tyler Glasnow, he's my favorite pitcher in the league. He's hurt right now. But you don't have to be a Tampa Bay Rays fan to enjoy Tyler Glasnow. You don't have to be a New York Mets fan to enjoy Max Scherzer or uh, Jacob deGrom. You can think guys are a-holes for being D-bag human beings, of course, like Josh Donaldson. That's fine. But, you know, 
enjoy baseball. That's what the Field of Dreams game is all about. And I love how big college baseball is becoming thanks to social media over the last couple of years. The College World Series, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, man, Texas, Oklahoma, Vanderbilt, these schools are awesome. I love it. I love it all. I can't wait. Um, you know, our favorite teams draft all these guys too. All these guys have the potential to play for your favorite team, right? Like who's the White Sox best hitter right now? One of them is Andrew Vaughn. Okay. Andrew Vaughn went to Cal. He was one of the best players at Cal. Nick Madrigal went to Oklahoma State. And I forget who his teammate, he had a popular teammate there too. I don't remember. But, you know, Adley Rushman, all these guys playing college baseball. It is so cool. And it comes out of me to think it when a game like the Field of Dreams game is going on. So that's what I have for you on the Field of Dreams game. You can make sure that you watch next week's episode for recaps and read to windycity.com. Um, it's getting the White Sox a little bit. They suck. I mean, <clears throat> the funny thing is they're 56-55, losing them nothing right now with runners on first and third. If you're listening to the audio version later, disregard. But it's still one of the best White Sox teams of my lifetime, and they're this much of a disaster. You know why everybody says they're this much of a disaster? Because everything is relative. There's context to everything. If the 2019 White Sox were 56 and 55 on August 11th, people would be losing their minds. If the Cubs were somehow 56 and 55 right now, after all the selling that they've done, people would be losing their minds. People expected the White Sox to win 100 games and compete for the World Series once the playoffs rolled around. Could that still happen? Yeah, I guess it could. You know, they might make the playoffs. They're two and a half out. You'd think they'd be more than that based on the way people like me talk about them. But, you know, they just don't hit like they did. And people are saying, <clears throat> you know, I, I tweeted this morning that the White Sox should have the Field of Dreams game no matter what. I think they should. It's not ripping on the Cubs or the Reds to say that the team that Shoeless Joe Jackson played for and wore the jersey in the damn movie should be in the game every year no matter what. It doesn't matter who their opponents can change. It doesn't have to be the Yankees every year. Make it White Sox versus Cubs. White Sox versus Reds. Both of those matchups make sense. People are like, with the White Sox, they're boring. They have no offense. They're not more exciting. The White Sox have a higher runs per game than both the Reds and the Cubs in the year of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, 2022. Okay? They have a more a higher run scored than both of them. It just seems like they're boring and they suck because of expectations. The Cubs feel fun and exciting because Seiya Suzuki's there, and he hits a bomb every now and then. And Christopher Morrell hit a home run in his MLB debut first at bat, and it was so cool. He said he was going to do it, and he did it. It's just relax. But at the same time, I'm going to enjoy the game no matter what. They could be the Miami Marlins versus the Arizona Diamondbacks in the Field of Dreams game, and I would watch it and love every second of it. But back to the White Sox. Tim Anderson, it came out that he is going to be out for six weeks because he had surgery on a tendon in his left hand middle finger. I hate when I have to stick up my middle finger and fix things. Um as far as the rest of the team trying to fill in for Anderson, A.J. Pollock, Luis Robert, all these guys will get their chance at the top of the order. Pollock has done it a couple times. Robert is doing it today. Um, I don't know if anybody else will fill in. Eloy Jimenez has been red hot lately. Red hot. And um, it's just one of those things that they, they get hits, right? Like they have eight hits in the game and not a run to show for it so far here. 
and they're losing one nothing. Dylan C says a two hitter going. One of the hits went over the fence. Every elite pitcher gives up a solo shot, and it's just, it's just not, it's not a team that instills a lot of confidence in you because of the fact that their offense is so pitiful. Like Dylan Cease is having this magnificent performance, right? And they're losing one nothing, and they still could win. Mankata strikes out. I mean, that guy sucks. Mankata, I'm not off the Mankata bandwagon yet, White Sox fans. Getting close. He just struck out in a big spot just now. Like, I, I just don't get how he can go from being as good as he was in 2019, where he, like, received MVP votes. And they just, they I don't know if they ruined him with Frank Menachino as the hitting coach. A lot of White Sox fans want Menachino gone. And it's like, I think back to when Theo called the Cubs offense broken and they had like three hitting coaches in a span of two years. How did that work out for them? Their offense was still broken in 2020 when they won the division. And it was broken last year for the most part. It might be time to, for like a shakeup. Like maybe you trade someone to bring someone new in and just some fresh blood. But it is what it is. The offense sucks. And, you know, they're going into the seventh inning without scoring a run. I just – I don't I don't really see it. Like, I'm not canceling the season yet, but I'm also not, like, very optimistic that if they do make the playoffs and have to play against the New York Yankees or the Houston Astros or even the Seattle Mariners or Toronto Blue Jays, that they'll be able to get it done. They have to figure out something with this offense next season. I don't like Tony La Russa as a manager. I don't really like any of their coaches except for Ethan Katz, the pitching coach. He's helped so many people move along. Like I, I take a look at like how good Johnny Cueto has been for the White Sox this year. And uh, Dylan Cease has turned into an elite pitcher after just, you know, it took him about 35 starts. It takes every pitcher about 35 major league starts. Michael Kopech is getting there. He's at around 30 starts. Once he reaches that 35, 40 start mark, I believe he will take off just like Cease. And I say will take off. His ERA is like just around three. Like he's still been really good and it was under one or it was under two until like the last month or so. Um, Aldo points out that the White Sox are a projection of their over-the-hill manager. Yeah, that's just absolutely true. Um, your team and pretty much every sport kind of plays to the personality of their manager. You might notice you watch a football team – And you're like, you know, they kind of have a lethargic, quiet manager. They play a lethargic, quiet game. There are teams who do it well, like the New England Patriots, right? They always kind of played how Bill Belichick coached them, the Patriot way, walk the line. And they won a lot while doing it. But then you had a team like the Seattle Seahawks. And Pete Carroll comes over from USC, and he's this fiery guy. He's screaming. He's running all over the sidelines. He's Pete Carroll. He's got gray hair. And all of a sudden, the Legion of Boom forms. And Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman lead one of the greatest defenses in the history of the NFL. It same can be applied to baseball. They literally got video evidence of him falling asleep in the dugout. And it was like the first inning. The White Sox look like a sleepy team because of their sleepy manager. And there's a reason they went from being one of the most fun teams to watch back in 2020 when they had Rick Renteria, who, as an X's and O's guy, stunk. Rick Renteria, stinky X's and O's baseball manager. Couldn't manage a bullpen for shit. The team, the lineups weren't great. But they played hard. 
They looked like they were having fun. Mankata was out there dancing. Eloy with the high mom and all that stuff. And then Tony LaRusa comes. He's equally as bad of an X's and O's manager these days, and he has way less fire than Rick Renteria. So you have the worst of both worlds. Um, he's Ozzy Guillen nailed it. He's a sleepy version of Rick Renteria with credentials. That's just what it is on the south side right now. Um, I do believe it doesn't have to be this way after this season. I do. I do believe that. You bring in a fiery man. Look at the Phillies. They're like 40 and 17 since firing their manager. I'm pretty sure they're like 25 and 12 since Bryce Harper got hurt. You can make positive change. Okay? It's just true. It's true. It doesn't have to be this way. And hopefully the White Sox figure it out by the end of the season. Um, there are a couple other things I wanted to touch on a couple nights ago. I was watching the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim as I do frequently these days. Shohei Otani was on the mound through six scoreless innings, didn't give up a run. Then in the bottom of the sixth, he hit a home run that passed Ichiro. For those who might remember Ichiro Suzuki, one of the great leadoff hitters of all time. He passed Ichiro Suzuki for the second most home runs ever hit by a Japanese-born player in Major League Baseball. Yeah, Otani did that. In the same game, he threw six shut-piece innings, didn't allow a single run, and really the Oakland A's had no chance against him as an offense. And I just think what he does is so cool. He is the greatest player of his sport in the history of the game, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. There might be people who were better pitchers. DeGrom's a better pitcher. Scherzer's a better pitcher. Chris Sale's a better pitcher. Or was, was, in their in the highlight of all their careers, I'm saying. Um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is probably a better hitter. Aaron Judge is a better hitter. Um, Jose Abreu might even be a better hitter. Less home runs, but a better pure hitter. Um, Kyle Schwarber hits more home runs. Um, there was a point where Bryant and Rizzo were better. But he does both so well so well he should be the mvp every year he's the greatest player who ever lived um so that was fun to watch i saw a game between the atlanta braves and boston red sox where ronald acuna jr made a sick slide on the road in extra innings where he like kind of dove around the boston catcher and like got his hand in there that was really cool another one of the great players in the game right now and then a couple nights ago I'm watching the New York Yankees play the Seattle Mariners. It's the seventh inning. I turn, I tune in because I got other stuff with hockey. The World Juniors are going on right now, obviously covering the White Sox. But finally, that all ended. Throw on the Yankees versus Mariners in Seattle. It was one of the late, late games, and it's 0-0. I'm like, okay, how did a game get to 0-0 between these two beastly offenses? Oh, the starting pitchers in the game were Luis Castillo's first start with the Mariners since being traded for the Reds. Oh, and he went up against Garrett Cole, who's one of the best pitchers in the league. That's how it got to the seventh, tied at zero. But then the bullpens carried their way, and they got to extra innings, tied at zero. And you figure in the tenth inning, okay, there's a runner on second. Uh, you know, someone's going to win here because you have a ghost runner on second every time. In the top of every inning, 10th, 11th, and 12th, not the 13th, but 10th, 11th, and 12th, the Yankees ran themselves out of the Ghost Runner. I was unlike anything I've ever seen before. The Ghost Runner was just taken out, and I couldn't believe it. And the Mariners ended up winning in the bottom of the 13th inning. It's the it's tied, 
for the longest game played since the Ghost Runner rule was implemented. One of the other games tied with it at bottom of the 13th inning, the Chicago Cubs versus the New York Yankees, which was also a one nothing Yankee victory um, back at Yankee Stadium earlier this season, some of you might remember. So it's just a wild thing. You got to tune into those Mariners when you can. They're one of the teams. They're one of the favorite teams on this program, and I'm excited to watch them for the rest of the season. So that's what I got for you all this week. It was a great interview with John DeMarsico, who does great work directing the New York broadcasts, the New York Mets broadcasts for SNY. Um, of course, he does UConn basketball too, so make sure you check out his page on Twitter, at John DeMarsico, um, talking about this, uh, the main story was the Edwin Diaz entrance into the game in the ninth inning after DeGrom's warm-up with um, Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. It was just an outstanding production from beginning to end. New York Mets versus Atlanta Braves is must-see baseball these days, and they really put on a show broadcast-wise, and I'm happy I get to be a baseball fan. Everyone gets to be a baseball fan. Some choose to, some don't. I feel happy for those who choose to. And then we went over the Field of Dreams. Cubs play the Reds tonight, 615 Eastern. Make sure you are locked and loaded, ready for that. Talking about the White Sox and some of their ineptitude. Hopefully they're able to figure it out soon. You know, it's funny. Every show, I end it by saying there's a chance the White Sox are in first place by the next show because it's true. And they have, a, they have this game left with the Royals if they're able to tie it and win it, split the series. Then you have four with Detroit, who sucks, just fired their GM. The Twins are playing all these good teams the rest of the season. I mean, it could happen. Is it going to? We will see. As always, I can't thank everybody in the chat enough. Aldo, Skyler chirping in with the comments there. Appreciate you guys a lot. Um, everybody who listened uh, via YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and those who are going to listen, this is for you on Spotify, Apple. We can't thank you enough. I leave you with the greatest White Sox regular season moment I've ever seen. And hopefully it gets you amped for tonight if you're a Cubs fan or just a baseball in general. As always, thank you for listening. Anderson hits it in the end of right. Back at the wall. Another happy landing. <laughs> <laughs>